Perfect. And we're live. So welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of Rules of the Arena number 66. This week, I'm joined by rap, R&B, and hip-hop artist Tragedy from Baltimore, Maryland. TJ, welcome back to the show, man. checked out last uh, two weeks ago episode tj is also a member of fear for self you can hear more about that on episode 64 uh tj just for anyone new do you want to introduce yourself again uh my name is tj uh i am a multi-instrumentalist trained vocalist and producer uh based out of maryland um and i try to i try to stay diverse you know i do a little bit of everything when it comes down to it as gordon was mentioning i uh, do play lead guitar for a like new new deathcore band as we would call it um as well as this solo music that i do on my own so i know we talked about a little bit a couple weeks ago but how did you first get involved in music so it all kind of started at a, at a really young age i had like a lot of people around me in my family that you know played guitar or sang or just were involved with the music scene in general actually my uncle uh, used to play shows and was in a few bands like way back, like late nineties, early two thousands that were opening for like good Charlotte and everything before they blew up. And I kind of like literally kind of went down his exact path <laughs> Had so many of the exact same things happen just with different genres of music and doing different things. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just been an uphill from there. <laughs> I, meant, I remember you mentioned you started playing instruments when you were about, what, seven years old? So 14 years oh, now? 
That is exactly right. Seven years old is when I picked up <laughs> guitar, bass, and violin, actually. All at the same time. <laughs> what was the first one you picked up? Um, I picked up on violin, actually, a little bit in school, and then shortly after was gifted a bass. And I had had an acoustic guitar that was like, you know, just like a cheap little acoustic that like, you know, a good beginner guitar, I guess, something okay to play on every once in a while. But um, I never touched it. And I started picking up on the bass and the violin. And so I was like, why not? Started picking up on guitar as well. And like, obviously, I was singing a little bit as well and whatnot. You know, childhood singing is all self-taught or did i know you mentioned you picked up violin in school i mean so i imagine there's yeah, I was gonna say, know, private so lessons clarinet, and clarinet and violin i'm both uh classically trained uh i'm also trained in vocals as well and uh i have done like classes and everything for production as well so how did that how did that start off you know getting into the production side of the house i mean did you start making your own music and then you're drawn to the production or were you asked so, to work on somebody's project <laughs> Honestly, you know, it, it was kind of funny because I was really young, obviously, getting into production. I stepped into, you know, working with uh, Studio One, actually, which is still the doll that I function with uh, in 2013. So, you know, this is what, like eight, nine years ago, almost, yeah. you know, whatever, <laughs> like it's been a while. And um, like one of my friends at the time is actually the one that like we were trying to figure out ways that we could make demos for the band that we were currently trying to like, you know, get moving at the time. And uh, that project was called Breaking the Paradox. Sadly, like none of the music is anywhere anymore, even though we actually like wrote a really, really solid like eight track album, like it kind of kind of like a long EP, almost an album type deal. And like it was really solid like it wasn't bad it was really heavy and all over the place and cool but like we had demoed a lot of that ourselves and that's what got me like interested into production and he put studio one in my hands and that you know just kind of like planted from there i went off on my own and learned from there <laughs> so <coughs> excuse me you mentioned taking the classes for the for the production side i mean did you go to like a two-year school or anything like that or just pick um, up some stuff along the way actually funny enough i have had more help personally from a lot of people as well as i did do uh nail the mix um which uh i you know for those who have heard of it uh and haven't heard of it it's like it's a it's not exactly a school it's almost like a subscription-based plan that gives you access to learning tools from producers in the music scene and they show you exactly how they mix certain songs while also giving you the stems and everything for those songs so you can mix right beside the engineer in a live stream mixing sure. the song. Do they do they go over what kind of equipment? I mean, obviously you need okay. software, but I mean absolutely. Uh software and hardware actually even like they teach you a, a little bit about everything and show you like, you know, the differences and things and like all of that. And like, you know, every producer is a little bit different. That's just a factual thing. You know, there there is no there, I mean, there is a formula for production, <laughs> but the thing is, is that we all break it a little bit because we all have our certain tricks that we feel as if sound better or whatever to our ears than other people, mm -hmm. you know, and that's everybody, 
you know, like that's why one person might find something extremely sonically appealing, whereas another person could find it not sonically appealing at all. Um, and like, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like it all just comes down to what the producer feels as if is right in the time. And like, I like that that specific program showed me a lot of that, you know, showed me like the differences in the different producers and what they were doing with these mm -hmm. tracks. So, I mean, if I wanted to go into, you know, add music production into my full plate, I mean, how much am I looking at for monetarily? How much do I need to sink into this or is it fairly inexpensive? In today's world, the like the producers and stuff that have started like, you know, involving themselves with other companies and even other companies that have been coming out uh, with, you know, new programs that like it's honestly made it to where production is so much more of an affordable thing for people. There are even DAWs that, you know, are partially free and you can drop, I think it's like $80 for the full copy of Reaper or something like that. It's super mm -hmm. cheap, you know, rather than spending the, you know, like 400 or whatever, $450 I spent on studio one or spending the 600 that it takes to get pro tools or, you know, right. so, so forth. <laughs> like, there are so many tools nowadays and like with freeware VSTs and everything, like it's to the point where in reality, if you wanted to learn a little bit about recording and mixing music, you could get a nice pair of headphones for 70 bucks. You could get a nice interface for a hundred bucks. You could get a decent microphone for, you know, 50 to 70 bucks. And like those things right there can put you forward tremendously. You know, and there are even speakers nowadays. Like there is a smaller version of the monitors that I currently use that are only like $90. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's if, if you want like actual monitors and you want to work on trying to cure a room a little bit, then you know what? That, that's cool. <laughs> like, fine. It's really not that expensive though when it comes down to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, my most expensive piece of equipment is my sound or my mixing board, which is, I mean, I think is maybe 400 bucks for an entry level. Yeah. Sounds uh, about right. I think one of my, my absolute most expensive pieces of equipment, uh, well, current order functioning, I actually have an Axe Effects in my rack and that thing is my, my dear love, but I need <laughs> to, uh, I need to do something with the software. I need to like update it or something. Cause sadly some of the amp sims just stopped working. Huh. Um, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense and it sucks because like that thing sounds unbelievably good. You know, it's definitely like one of the best as far goes as like guitar processes, like or guitar processing on the planet. Like, mm -hmm. um, but like, other than that, it's my interface. I have one of the Scarlet 18 I20s and it's like, what, a $450, $500 interface or something like that. Like, yeah, of course. I buy, like I said, entry level mixing board just to run microphones through nothing, you know, over the top. And uh, my missing co-host, Grandpa Ben, uh, used to work in uh, sound or in production for the university system in Wisconsin. Oh, cool. And he goes, "Oh, you should have bought this one." I clicked the link. It's like a four thousand dollar board that you can have sixteen mics coming out of, and you know every sound effect you want. It's like it. entry. <laughs> entry level <laughs> right, right. Uh, see that's the type of stuff that you need for like a venue right. <laughs> like a large studio where you're doing like a lot of live tracking with bands and stuff that's right. when you stuff like that <laughs> and so i'm so how did you you mentioned guitar bass violin clarinet i think we've you mentioned before maybe last time you're on the show you're playing something like 14 instruments 
Uh, it's actually currently seven instruments that I'm like burst on. Mm -hmm. I do have bits and pieces of knowledge of other instruments though. And that was just from, you know, being in like, you know, band and orchestra things and strings and stuff in school. And so like having my friends in there, they all played other instruments and, you know, like, it's not like we didn't have extra mouthpieces and extra this and extra that. So we would let each other like try instruments and play different instruments. And like, you know, it was fun, you know, I, why not? Like, mm -hmm. why not try to figure out a little bit of each thing? So like, funny enough, I can play a little bit of saxophone. I can play a little bit of trumpet. I can play a little bit of trombone. I can play a little bit of, you know, like pretty much most of the wind instruments and brass instruments aren't too bad for me. Flute is one of the only ones I have problems with. <laughs> It's that mouth position. <laughs> um, and then with strings, I can also play, you know, uh, the bass, cello, and viola, as well as violin. You know, like, it's, they're, they're all pretty similar, though. It's just, you know, figuring out the scales and things like that, because they are, like, you know, some of them are slightly tuned different or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And obviously, you know, they're used in different ways mm -hmm. when playing orchestral pieces. Um, like in most orchestral pieces, you're not going to hear every instrument doing the exact same thing. Right. You know, you're going to hear the bass doing one thing while the cello is doing another thing, while the violin is doing another thing, while the viola is doing another thing, so on and so forth. Unless you have a really good trombone section, then we just kind of steal the show because we're awesome. <laughs> Honestly, you know, it, no one, it doesn't make anyone mad though. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> How do you go from a more classical trained background and then with fear for yourself, you mentioned the so, new death core and then bring in the rap, uh, hip hop, R and B side of the house. And when it came down to it, I was mainly playing classical and was into classical training because I wanted to learn about like the in-depth parts of music, you know, the theory side of things and understanding notation and everything like that, you know? And like, it seriously helped me, obviously, but growing up, I primarily listened to rap and R&B music. You know, like I always claimed that I wanted to be like the next greatest rapper alive when I was a child. That's that's what my dream was. That was my like one of my first initial dreams, that and being a firefighter. <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to be a firefighter. Right. <laughs> um, but like, you know, like, cool, that's that's a pretty big dream. And like, as I got older and started playing guitar and bass and everything, you know, obviously I started listening to metal music because of the people I was around and stuff like that. Um, my elementary school best friends and like my, one of my absolute best friends in elementary school, his name is Theron, his older sisters were like hardcore scene kids okay? <laughs> like like broken side like blood on the dance floor scene <laughs> kids okay and so like i was listening to the devil wears prado when i was like seven and eight years old you know what i mean like i got into it young and when i started picking up heavily on guitar i wanted to learn that type of stuff because that's what i thought was impressive you know like that's mm -hmm. what i thought was crazy and like, it was more fun to play too, to be honest, you know, like, I'm not going to lie. Heavy music is significantly more fun to play than like almost anything else, bro. Like, can't lie about that. Um, but like, that's kind of where I gained my backbone into playing metal music. And like, I was in a, you know, small metalcore band for the Breaking the Paradox stuff, but we played in low tunings. I was playing a six string G sharp in that project. Um, 
And then I moved on playing uh, leads for a band called I Plead Insanity for a bit as well. And that band I was opening for a ton of really big bands with. We were doing a bunch of really cool stuff. It was it was a good time. It was a really good time. And that I feel like is what really like made me like, okay, I love playing guitar in a band. This is fun. <laughs> and I actually stopped for a while. And like over the past, you know, like, like year or so I've been getting my feet back with like you know working with Repair itself heavily and you know me and Tim had talked about this project years ago and I had no idea what Tim was going for <laughs> at the time I had no idea how to write anything even close to this weird pitch shifty like I did not I, I wasn't versed in it I didn't listen to anything like that what I wanted to write at that time was like architects mm-hmm. you know like I wanted to write like ambient really heavy like low tuned metalcore music but like that wasn't what tim was vibing (laughs) that was okay now i can do it though and that that's you know a lot of one of the reasons why i've been brought back into the project and understanding things and like i've been you know pushing out with like writing and things like that um so who'd you start did you start listening to other bands at least just to try to figure out what sound you wanted to create Absolutely. I mean, like, I think a lot of what has helped me, especially in the past few years, is that for the beginning portions of me being a producer, I was obviously in metal bands. So I was really, really, really focused on metal music, you know, and I didn't really have much of a foot when it came to understanding how to play other genres or do other genres as far as my production. went. I could do what I could do, you know what I mean? And it wasn't much, especially at the time. And like, I feel like now, like over the past few years that I've been really focusing a lot on like, you know, working with samples and working with different sounds and working with, you know, uh, specifically like the rap and R&B shit and like whatnot, like it's really opened up a different side of me as a musician, you know, like it's helped me learn how to write things that I wasn't able to write just a few years ago. Do you ever think that you want to meld the two together? You have uh, oh, definitely. Like, um, uh, me and was... actually talked about uh, doing something as far goes as like trying to throw a rap part into uh, you know one of the like songs in the future, where it's me rapping, and like you know it's basically like the tragedy stuff, but it's mm-hmm. like top of the metal track with the fear itself and like i always thought that would go hard you know what i mean like i thought that would go super hard especially because i can do screams and stuff too like Mm -hmm. obviously uh, being a vocalist i can do that so like if i wanted to blend screams into it and everything like we could do that and it would go hard (laughs) like yeah i think the well the first time i really heard rap with any kind of rock style that was done well at least was um uh i'm gonna butcher his name yale wolf yale wolf Oh, Yellow Wolf? Yellow yes. Wolf. Tight. He um, was, he did a show. Lie, I'm really big on all of Strange Music, really. You know, like Tech Nine and all of them. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge, huge inspirations on a lot of the stuff that I do, especially with the faster rapping. And he did uh, the show that it was a festival I went to, and he brought, I don't know if, uh, well, he had a DJ on, on stage, and then he had a guitar player who looked like a younger, modern version of Jimmy uh, Jimmy Page. That's and, wild. I mean, bowstring on the guitar and everything. It was just, and I'm just sitting there like trying to dissect everything going on. Like, this is fucking awesome, but what yeah, the hell? <laughs> like, that's super sick. 
<laughs> dude i love watching like especially artists in like the rap genres present themselves more like on a rock aspect mm-hmm. live i'm not even gonna lie i saw Lil wayne a few years ago with a uh, blink 182 and neck deep right <laughs> and i'm not even gonna lie bro like Wayne came out on stage with a live guitarist, a live bassist, a live drummer, and a DJ. And then himself. And, like, it went off. Like, it was really, <laughs> really tight. Like, right. they had energy. Like, oh, it's awesome. Definitely cool. I remember seeing a couple years ago, uh, Not Festival, and they're out in California, I believe. Oh, yeah. You see all the, you know, the usual suspects on the ticket. And then they're in the middle of them. There's tech nine. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> That's awesome. But how do you like one rapper and then 30 other metal bands on, on there? It's so funny. Cause like I've noticed, especially with tech nine, tech nine is definitely someone who's way more involved in like the rock scene and stuff than people realize. You know what I mean? Like, yes, tech is an OG. Like, come on. He has a song with Tupac, bro. Like <laughs> he's an OG, like definitely. But when it comes down to it, a lot of strange music, they affiliate like juggalos and shit affiliate themselves under strange. Like mm-hmm. that's that's like a lot of what a lot of their fan base is, especially over here on the East Coast. You sure. know what I mean? Like a lot of the overwhelming fan base of Tech Nine and you know Chris Calico and all of them is like straight up juggalos. Like <laughs> It's not bad though. Makes yeah, sense. No, it's I not. Can, I can get it. I understand it. You know, they do the white face paint thing and like they go crazy and have that like demonic fit <laughs> on a lot of their stuff. And, like it's tight. You know what I mean? Like I vibe it. That's one of the reasons why I've always liked Tech Nine. So, uh, how when did you start thinking that you wanted to start doing rap music on your own? I know you launched your or you released your first single in October 2019. But I mean, how much time before that were you starting to piece things together? Funny enough, I was actually releasing music on SoundCloud before that. I uh, started releasing rap music on SoundCloud, like rap and lo-fi stuff, in May, May of 2019. And it was actually shortly after me and my ex-girlfriend had broken up. Um, Before that, I had been thinking about it for a really long time. But I'm not going to lie, being in, you know, a post-hardcore band at the time and being very focused on that for sure. And on top of that, being surrounded by a lot of people that really just weren't with the rap scene at the time, that didn't help either. You know, it kind of drove me away from it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when I find I feel like it took me like me having my room to breathe, and me learning who I was as a person a little bit to jump into it the way I wanted to, because like I had thought about it for years. It had been since 2015 or so that I had been thinking about trying to release some rap music and I just never did it. I don't know why, but I never did. You think it might've just been your bandwidth was this taken up because you had the other projects going on and so much other stuff that it is very just took popular. the back seat. It is definitely possible. You know, I feel like, you know, it was just, yeah, being focused on the band and like I said, <coughs> surrounded by people that weren't, that weren't all with the rap scene, you know, and like they, they were more on like, they were straight up alternative kids and like a lot of them really like shitted on the rap scene. Like they didn't <laughs> like, <laughs> like they didn't like rap almost at all. And like, it's funny to say, cause like, 
now from what i'm aware of a couple of the friends that i was hanging out with at the time that really didn't listen to rap do and like that's cool i'm not it's not like you know no no like shade or nothing but like it's that's cool i mean like good expand your horizons Mm -hmm. because the thing is is like way too many people especially in like the rock metal scene are like against every other genre if it's not rock or metal then it's not good and it's like bro you got to realize there's quality in other music too you just got to find the quality yeah there's just find that one gateway album or song or whatever the case may be and just go down the rabbit hole like with the post hardcore stuff like don't get me wrong i had been listening to stuff like papa roach and everything like you know classic emo for a (laughs) a really long time before i really got into like the the post hardcore and pop punk and stuff like that right except for like good charlotte and you know shit like that that everyone was introduced (laughs) to like five years old like but when it came down to it it took me listening to like a couple songs and realizing, wait, this shit is good. And those songs were like, you know, like a day to remember downfall of us all. That was one of the first post hardcore songs, like easy core songs I'd ever heard where I was like, this is hard. (laughs) Um, Then I heard the old sleeping with siren shit, like the, with ears to see and eyes to hear. And Mm -hmm. then like, if you can't hang when it first came out, like, those songs blew me away at the time. They were super impressive, especially as far goes as the production side. And like, you know, I look back at all of that now and I'm like, damn, you know, like look at how far producers have come in the time. And like those albums still sound good. Like with Years to See and Eyes to Hear, if you play like the, the full quality versions of the songs and not just like a random video on YouTube, they still sound really good especially for being released in what 2009 2010 like you're talking years ago like most music at that time sounded e (laughs) (laughs) even the best mixes were e right (laughs) (laughs) and then you have this i mean you can have a great album mix perfectly but then you go to the venue with the piss poor acoustics and a guy on the soundboard that doesn't know how to run it and it's like, hey, cool. I can hear vocals and snare drum and a little bit of guitar and yep. nothing else. <laughs> kick is drowning everything out. Like, yeah. it's all sub from the kick. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, been there a million times, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first started putting putting the rap music together, I mean, did you take it to any of your friends or, or oh, did definitely. you try to just keep it away from that? No, I um I actually distanced myself a lot from most of the friend group that I had been hanging out with at the time. I distanced myself from pretty much everyone for a while after me and my ex broke up because I felt like I needed to help myself, you know? And um, you know, uh some some bad things happened, some good things happened in the whole situation with the rundown of it all. But when it comes down to it, like I let I let it be. It's over with, it's done with. I'm a different person than I was then. You know, and like that's all that matters to me is because that's what I was looking to do. Was mm-hmm. I was looking to change myself and be more myself than I was before. A lot of people had said to me that they felt like I was losing my way, like I was losing myself. Do you find the music on both sides kind of as an outlet for that? Oh, absolutely, a hundred and ten percent. I mean, like you know, I I write you know lyrics and stuff obviously all the time, like whenever i have the slightest idea i pick up my notes immediately you know what i mean and like it's the same even with the music stuff like 
you know, I, I literally like, I'll be laying in bed with my girlfriend and like, I'll get like the smallest little idea and start like humming stuff and she'll look at me and be like, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm getting song ideas. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm chilling. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> See, I have the issue. So I write myself show notes just to keep myself on track. And because my mind's moving a million miles an hour, it takes me like three days to actually just force myself to sit down and start writing it. But as soon as I, I'll start with like two questions. And the next thing I know, I have three pages on a word document full. But as soon as I close my computer and walk away for an hour, I don't remember anything that I just wrote down and have to go back and kind of look through it again. I mean, do you have the same thing or are those lyrics just going to always float around even if you put them down your notes? It just depends. Because really with some things, I will remember them. Definitely. If they're like catchy enough and they stick in my mind enough, absolutely I'll remember them. But like when it comes down to like, like, you know, just random things I'll jot down in the middle of the day, I'll end up forgetting them. And I'll forget they exist. And then I'll like see them pop up in my notes and be like, yo, this is kind of hard. I forgot I wrote this. <laughs> like, um, or, you know, like with songs that I write on the spot though, especially when I sit down and I finish a whole song, like a whole beat, a whole like vocal set, get in the booth, record everything, like mix it. At that point, I remember every lyric. Like, and that's just, I feel like, because, you know, like I have it to where I'm sitting there doing it over and over again while I'm writing it. And then I get in the booth and I have to do it, you know, three, four, five, six, whatever times perfectly. And that helps me definitely remember it. When I have to sit there and run it back like a million times, that I'll remember easy. No problem. So and you mentioned, you know, you started thinking about doing this since 2015 started coming out in 2019 and last year you put out three albums alone yeah. for a tragedy. I mean, how did you pull that off? I mean, a lot of people take a year just to put one album together. You know, funny enough. I mean, being that just in last year. Okay. So 2020, I had a truly tragic in what February or so like January, mm -hmm. or February, something like that. And then I did, lost flame in march or april i did 13 in may and then i also did polarity in september with tyler and i did red rum in october with uh satchel and funny enough um truly the truly tragic album was co-produced between me and a homie of mine uh his name is true musician official on instagram you know cool dude um but he actually really helped me like grasp a little bit more on like you know structuring the beats because he had been doing it for a while sean had been you know playing keys for 25 years at the time so he had a backing you know like seriously and that definitely helped open a door to like me figuring out the structuring of beats and stuff. And then from there, uh, Lost Flame, two of the songs were co-produced by Sean as well. But the rest of that album was produced by me. Mm -hmm. um, All of 13 was produced by me. All of Polarity was produced by me. All of Red Rum was produced by me. Um. So like, honestly, I don't know what was in me last year. <laughs> I, feel, I felt like I just had so much I needed to do. Mm -hmm. 
And like, I had actually written Truly Tragic in 2019. It was actually supposed to drop in 2019. Bedtime Thoughts, the single from uh, late 2019 that's on my Spotify, is actually on that album. Um, so like, it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, did you at least did you have like the the song lyrics at least written up going into it and like cool i have this giant pile what do i do with it or were you just cranking stuff out so funny enough a lot of it i just seriously was cranking bro like with uh lost flame i wrote those six tracks that i did by myself in three days <laughs> I had that album written and and completely mixed and mastered and ready to be released in less than a week. <laughs> um, like, and you, you'd never guess, you know, like listening to those songs, you'd never guess that I only spent a few days on those tracks. But the thing is, is like, I had so many ideas and just so much like in me that I like felt like needed to come out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then funny enough with 13 only one of the songs on that entire album was written before i started producing those beats as well i um i started slowly and i did take hold with uh Lil loki uh he's from japan by the way really 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 talented dude but um he hit me up on soundcloud and him and i ended up collabing on that track and we didn't drop it or anything yet and i was thinking about it and i was like you know what maybe I should do something like dark like this. And this was at the end of 2019, him and I did that collab. Mm -hmm. So at that point I started thinking about it and I was like, maybe I should, you know, put together a whole album of stuff like this. And it was an idea that I threw around for a while, but I didn't really start stabbing on finishing it until right after I finished writing Lost Flame. And like, it took a lot of effort. I only had like maybe four of the songs done before I started writing the rest of them. And, you know, having 13 tracks on an album, that's a big album. That's, that's a pretty decent amount of tracks. Mm -hmm. So like, it took a lot of time for sure. And like a lot of planning as well, obviously, you know, there's a, there's a good few features on there. Um, And like, it was very like I was very meticulous about picking the songs and picking what I wanted to do with it exactly and everything like that. It was it was a long process. For the features, are you working with other local artists in your area, or are you reaching out, you know, over SoundCloud or the you know, social media, whatever the case may be? <laughs> so what's really cool about a lot of the features that I do uh, with people or have people involved with, you know, like collabs and anything like that, a lot of them are from out of state. A lot of them are not from here. Um, I have a song on SoundCloud with a homie named Too Tired, and he's from Canada. You know, I, uh, I'm actually working on a project currently doing some production stuff for a friend of mine who lives in Ireland. Um, like, as well as, you know, Satchel, he's from North Carolina. Uh, a couple of the artists on the tracks that I have out currently are from here, though. Peyote Kingpin, he's from around here. Uh, he's actually one of my friends oh, from years, uh, Godbrother. And um, as well as Tyler, Tyler Tavetti. Tyler's from around here. Uh, I actually met him, funny enough, he works with my dad. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. Um, but <laughs> one day my dad had like called me randomly at like 6.30 in the morning. I was like, What? <laughs> And I answered the phone. He was like, dude, I'm in the truck. 
going down to Ocean City and I got this kid that I never met at work. And, you know, I met him a couple of times, but I didn't know this. He can rap. You need to hear this. And I was like, what you mean? He's like, he can freestyle. And I was like, all right, let me hear it then. And as soon as Tyler started spitting, I was like, okay. All right, yeah, give him my number and tell him to hit <laughs> About like a month and a half later, him and I had written, funny enough, Polarity is five tracks. And we have written more than two hands worth of music together. Me and Tyler have a ton of unreleased stuff, <laughs> um, including well, something really cool. We have a remix of Black and Yellow that we did. Um, it goes hard. It goes really, really hard. And I, I want to drop it on SoundCloud because, you know, like nonprofit. I'm not trying to profit off Wiz Khalifa's music, but like mm -hmm. it goes hard. And like, <laughs> I feel like people would enjoy it. So, I mean, how do you, or with the albums and everything, I mean, where are you pulling inspiration from for to build your own style? Because I like your, your tracks because it re kind of takes me back to, let's say late nineties, early two thousand style where the beats aren't overproduced. It's not overtaking whoever's on, on the lyrics. And it kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, like, well, I, the first rap song I ever listened to ever was, uh, uh, my name is by Eminem back when it was the MTV music, music video premiere. <laughs> Dude, old Eminem is literally like, that was a really large inspiration on a lot of my stuff. In fact, honestly, all of like everyone in death row, really as far goes as death row records in general, you know, like that, that like late 80s 90s like late 90s early 2000s up to rap music is like some of the stuff that i stray to the most you know like when i put on most stuff it's like i listen to a lot of eminem and i listen to a lot of dr dre and i listen to a lot of snoop and i listen to you know like i fuck with death row records a lot and like a lot of the artists that have even come away from it and artists that eminem has worked with as well like obviously i fuck with wayne really heavy and i definitely you know am with a lot of the people that he fucked with as well you know like obviously i like birdman and stuff that's more throwback you know um but i also like drake and i also like you know them but as far goes as current inspirations especially i've been listening to a lot of like comethazine and snot and like a lot of different trap artists, the baby and stuff like that. Like, um, and like, I don't know, I try to pull inspiration from there, but also trying to like keep this like old school feel in a lot of stuff. You know, I don't, I don't want to sound too new school. It's mm -hmm. not my thing. I feel like, you know, it's not me. I grew up hearing old rap music, you know, like I remember bumping Slick Rick and nwa and like shit like that <laughs> so like that's what i that's what i like to try to emulate a lot of as far goes especially with my lyricism and the way that i try to like do like my vocals and stuff like that you know like i don't want to sound too new school but i do take a lot of inspiration as well from stuff like suicide boys and puya and stuff like that you know like i like their stuff <laughs> do you ever worry about you know if you you sound too much like this other artist, you know, and if somebody, you know, you know, some idiot with a podcast starts comparing you to, to Eminem, for example. Oh yeah, definitely. Trust me. It, it does make me, you know, like weird sometimes I think about it. Cause like, I definitely have, you know, parts and bits and pieces where like, you can hear, I have similar flows and stuff like that, but like, I'm not saying the same of anything. I use my vocabulary in my music, 
you'll never hear me using someone else's vocabulary. You know, like it's not me. Right. <laughs> like, but when it comes down to it, I do have that fear. Um, I get told that I sound a lot like Darky a lot, like little Darky, if you've ever heard of him. Uh, I get told I sound like Puya a lot. I get told I sound like Eminem a lot. You know, like there's a lot of artists I get to, I get compared to often. Um, and like, it's no biggie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind it. It's not a bad thing. Cause like, yes, I do take inspiration from a lot of those people. So it makes sense why you hear it, you know, like. Mm -hmm. So, and then how do you, well, I was talking to, uh, uh, Pharaoh Moose, uh, local twin cities rap artist. And, uh, Jake came down to the show at his studio a few months ago. And we were just talking about with, because with the pandemic, you know, and live shows being canceled and everything else. And he's doing a lot of competitions through the local radio station. It seemed to level the playing field out here, at least for local artists. Do you feel like it's the same over on the East coast, Baltimore area? I think honestly, when it comes down to it, you know, like with rap music, a lot of the fan base is going to be found over the internet and through streams and through things like that in the first place. Like, yes, with shows, you're going to get that little bit of exposure. Someone might see you. That's cool. But especially like during COVID and we couldn't play shows, like it ended up, you know, giving a lot of people that understanding that the internet is, is an extremely, extremely useful tool. Like, and especially when it comes to growing as an artist, not even just in rap music, but in all forms of music that the internet can be seriously, seriously used. You know what I mean? Like, shit bro i gained i think it's like 700 followers in like five months at the end of last year that was tremendous growth because i had had an instagram for a little over a year at that point and only had like 500 followers <laughs> what I'm like that's crazy that's super decent but like it's also like one of those things where I had to put the effort in to like still try to show people my music and still try to push my music at people. It's not like, you know, I wasn't, you know, giving it out and being like, Hey, like you should hear this. You should check this out. Like, tell me what you think it is. Blah, 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 blah. So like it was similar on the push as far goes as exposure with shows and stuff, you know what I mean? And so I definitely feel like, yeah, it leveled the playing field for a little bit of everybody when it came down to it, because it gave us all the understanding that, Sometimes it's not just about going out and trying to play shows and busting your ass. And especially, I hate it. I hate to say it like this, but that pay to play shit, bro, it's not worth our time. Especially as rappers, it's really not worth our time. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not easy to gain a fan base for anybody, period. It don't matter who you are. Like, I don't care what kind of music you're doing or anything like that. It still takes some kind of effort. You still got to put some type of effort into it. You got to really want it. And like, that's fine. But you got to think about it from all perspectives too. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, what platforms are you using to market yourself on? I mean, everybody knows of Facebook and Instagram, of course, but oh, yeah, SoundCloud. I mean, I, yeah. I use, you know, obviously I use SoundCloud and Facebook, Instagram and all of that. I need to get more on the Twitter game. <laughs> I, Twitter is not my strong suit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I actually use a couple different things online. It, it's actually, I also use something, uh, if you've ever heard of Omega, I know it's been like a very large internet trend over the past, like, you know, almost year or so now since quarantine. And like, 
I had used that site from a young age before even advertising my music. And like, I can't even lie. You'll see the comments on my stuff on all platforms, people saying that they met me on Omegle and that they're <laughs> happy they met me because they love my music, you know? And like, I can't, I can't thank them enough. Like the thing is, is that, and also I love the fact that I get to have a personal experience with them. You know, I get to sit there and introduce myself and show them my music and like, it doesn't matter who they are or where they're from or whatever. If I feel like it'll appeal to them, cool. I'll show you my music. Check this out real quick. Tell me what you think it is. If you like it, here's my Instagram. Drop me a follow. Check out my SoundCloud, my Spotify, you know, like, and like, it helps me gain a fan base on all levels, like, and a huge, huge age range as well. Cause people from the ages all the way of, you know, like even 13 and 14 years old, all the way into their thirties use that website. So a little bit of everybody hears about me, from, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. I fucking love that. It's like exactly something that could be utilized for people to do advertisement on. And when I've explained it to people, they're like, yo, I've never thought about it like that. That's smart as hell, <laughs> especially cause it's free. All you got to do is sit behind your damn computer and talk to some people, bro. <laughs> like free advertisements, the best advertisement. You right. feel? Like, <laughs> so what are you doing to set yourself apart, you know, on the, on the platforms where you can't have that one-on-one, you know, uh, interaction? I just you try know. to have some type of engaging content. Typically I'm not great with posting stuff on YouTube, like videos, videos. I'm actually, Funny enough, I am working on a couple videos for some songs that I have coming out soon. Um, Between two projects that I'm working on right now, I actually have two music videos that I'm working on for each of these separated projects that are definitely going to be coming out with them. Um, It's just taking time and effort. It's not easy. You know what I mean? Especially because I'm actually doing it on my own. I'm not, I'm not having any help or anything with it really minus having, you know, like my girlfriend use the camera for me a little bit, or like, you know, if a friend of mine, it has the time, I'll like have them use some cameras or some lights if I need it or something like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. other than that, I'm editing and I'm editing and everything on my own. Like I'm sitting here doing it by myself. Um, it's not easy. You know what I mean? Like I like doing it and it's cool, but it's not easy. Definitely not. So when do you sleep? Because you got tragedy, you got fear for itself. You're producing, you're doing music videos. (laughs) You know, honestly, (laughs) you'd be surprised. I almost don't. Um, my sleeping schedule actually bounces around really, really bad. And there are some nights where I'll only get, you know, two and three hours of sleep and wake up and not be able to sleep for a day, you know? Um, like, and on top of that, having insomnia, like, kicks my ass. <laughs> I, like, do not sleep because of that all the time. Like, I'm one of those people that if I have something going on, I can stay up for days. And it just doesn't even bother me. Like. <laughs> so what's what's in the pipeline then for this year and next you got a couple of music videos coming out for various projects uh, can we expect yeah, um, any new music or live shows tons of new music definitely i'm actually working on trying to figure out some stuff with shows if i could get out to california to get up with 
uh, one of the other members of Truly Tragic currently, the little clique that I'm involved with, she has a bunch of connections to venues out there that she, she already has talked to specifically about our stuff and showed our stuff and everything, and they want us to come play. So, like, the thing is, is we're kind of, I'm, I need to figure out ways to get out to Calvin soon. That's one of my big things, especially as the shows go. But with music, I have an EP I'm actually currently done with. I'm just trying to get some things together. One of the videos is one of the things I'm trying to get together. And it's been one of the reasons why I've been so quiet on my social medias as per recently. Um, Literally just like having so much going on as far as that goes. um, It's just a lot. And I also have been working on an album that's another collab actually with uh, my homie Kigo. And that also has a video. We have a video attached for that one as well that uh, I'm going to be releasing with that. Um, and then I have a couple other things I'm actually working on as well right now that uh, I'm definitely going to end up releasing in like sometime throughout the next few months. I'm going to try to squeeze in at least one or two drops before the end of the year, considering I've been so you know, like vacant with the drops for the past few months, especially compared to last year. And with the, uh, with the music or live show, excuse me. And you, you know, if you don't have something that has connections to venues, I mean, how do you, how does a rap artist, I know I've talked to other musicians and they talk about, you know, sending three, four songs over to them, just give them an idea. Is it the same way in that genre or is it? Yeah. Like the thing is, is you got to find where you fit though. That's the biggest problem. And that's, what's really hard about rap is that, you know, like a lot of venues, a lot of promoters and stuff, they do a lot of stuff for fans. It's more band oriented in a lot of places. So it's definitely way easier to find shows that are going to suit you if you're in a band than as a rapper. That's absolutely true, especially because, you know, like no big, big rapper is going to be playing at like a little venue. Right. And there's no way you're going to be opening for some big, big rapper as a little nobody in, you know, like for me, Baltimore City. You know what I mean? Like there's no way. If I could, I would. But that is like so unlikely. It's unbelievable it would take an unbelievable opportunity for me to get on a big show. And other than that, it's like just small showcases and open mic nights and things like that. And that's the only real ways to play shows as a rapper, unless you have a large fan base and can like sell out a damn venue. And it sucks. It, it, it really does suck because it makes it a little bit harder. And like, while yes, there are shows that go down, it's just not as saturated as the rock and metal scene is, which is disappointing. Would it be an advantage if you can go to a promoter, even just a single venue and say, Hey, if you book me, I can bring these next four people with, or is it better to just worry about yourself? I mean, the thing is, is it's always good to try to keep other people in mind too, especially because like, you know, for people like, like with me, with Truly Tragic, sadly, a lot of us are in different states, so it's hard for us to all connect together for shows. You know what I mean? Which, if we could, that would be super, super lit. It would be way, way, way easier to get shows because then we could be like, look, we're four different artists, whatever, five different artists, blah, 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 or whatever we have with us, and we all make music, and we're all trying to play a show. Like, that right there is definitely more appealing to a venue. You know what I mean? Like when you have a whole lineup already, 
promoters and venues and stuff are going to look at you a lot more seriously than if you're coming to them as like one person by yourself and you're like, Hey, yo, I'm looking for shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, if you're working, trying to work with a, a promoter, I mean, are there any red flags that you watch for that anybody else should watch out for? I just try to keep an eye on the venues that are being booked and you know like the the types of things that have gone down at their shows and stuff like that because like i'm i'm a little weary about everything you know what i mean i never go to like shows or anything playing or going without at least a few people with me anyways because you never know what can happen and like that's just how i am i'm always the type you know what i mean i don't want to sit there by myself in danger like i would rather have other people there with me that we can get ourselves out of danger if need to be than me by myself that would be bad news you know um and like i mean it's also just because like you know experiences of me and the people that i know too i mean like you know, like living right outside of DC and Baltimore, I'm literally right in between DC and Baltimore, closer to Baltimore than anything. I'm only like 10 minutes from downtown. Mm-hmm. Minutes. Like, it's really not far at all. And like, it's not exactly nice out here all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a little rough. So you, you got to carry yourself a certain way. And you gotta, you gotta mind your own damn business sometimes. <laughs> it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, that's where I say, like, I don't, I don't really travel alone. Typically, I don't try to go places alone typically because I would rather be safe and know I'm safe having a click with me than being by myself and be stuck in a shitty situation. Now, are there, I know there's like a Facebook group for just about every industry where people in the industry will communicate with each other and say this, that, and the other things going on. Is it like that for, with musicians where, oh, Hey, this venue screwed us over or they treated us or this went down we're never going back here's why i mean do you guys keep in touch with each other on that um in fact like you know being in maryland obviously there are venues all over the place here from north to south to east to west everywhere there are venues everywhere and like we also spread a lot into virginia and dc and pennsylvania and stuff like that as well because they're not too far out and they also have lots of venues and like yeah do there are facebook groups and everything and like all types of shit where like you know we try to keep tabs on everything or like you know talk about different things going on in the scene and things like that and like i'm thankful for that in maryland because honestly i've noticed in other states they be lacking sometimes bro (laughs) like real bad like there are some states phenomenal phenomenal music scenes some states have really bad ones that are like completely dead no venues no nothing like and that's sad yeah yeah where i'm at uh, the closest thing to a music venue by me which is about 45 minutes away is a casino Jesus. So I got to drive two hours to get to anywhere decent. And and the other direction eastward for me would be Milwaukee, which has always had a huge music scene just across the board. You know, Summerfest is the big one that we have every summer. But that's that's a good four or five hour drive for me. (laughs) We have obviously, you know, Baltimore's got a crazy music scene, always has, has always been known for it for like ever. 
Um, and then we are also right next to DC. DC has got a crazy scene, always has, you know, like four hours, three and a half, four hours out New York city, New York city has got a ridiculous scene as well. You know, we're like what, seven to nine hours from Tennessee, Memphis, come on, bro. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> shoot right over to Georgia, Atlanta. Like, are you kidding? And then Florida, Florida's music scene is unbelievable for all genres, everything mm-hmm. you name it. It don't matter who you are. Everybody eats out that bitch, bro. (laughs) Everybody. I've noticed that big time. Like the local bands play Rockville and shit. That's decent. (laughs) That right there is a good music scene, bro. Oh, but uh, one last question for you. Uh, If there's anybody out there and they're looking to, you know, start there or maybe upgrade their rap career, you know, what's, what advice would you offer up to them? If you don't know how to write beats, stop writing your own beats. <laughs> one. Okay. Like that is like a really, really big one that like a lot of people don't even realize is that if you don't have really appealing beats, then people aren't going to be really that upheld to listen to the music. It's rap music. Like, yeah, the lyrical content matters, but the beat matters a lot because people really pay attention to that shit with this music. Even back in the day, people really paid attention to the beats and shit, sampling and everything, like sampling from other songs and other things and blah, 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 blah. That's what was really popular back then. So that's what was being paid attention to. Now it's, you know, like how everything combines together, the, the cadence of everything, and how it feels, you know what I mean? That is super, super important. Um, on top of that, Two, if you're not a producer, stop stop trying to mix your own stuff. Like if you want to sound good and you actually want to to push it, go to a producer. There are plenty of us in the world. You know what I mean? It's the same with beats too. Like there are plenty of us in the world, bro. And like not everyone charges a ton. There are people who will sell beats for 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever, blah, 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 blah. There, there are people that will do a quick vocal mix for someone for 30, 40 bucks, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that hard. If you care about your music, you're going to invest in it. And that's just how it is, especially in the rap game. Like, with metal music, I get it. A ton of us are audio engineers, bro. Like, there are a ton of people in the metal, in the metal scene that are audio engineers and shit. At that point, cool, bro. You want to produce your own music? Whatever, fine, bro. You're probably good at what you're doing. You you probably, like, done been to mixing school and all types of shit. You, you probably, like, done your thing. That's fine. But even for the people who still don't know what they're doing, bro, if you don't know what you're doing, go to a producer. It's not that hard. And like, as far goes as showing people shit, like be ruthless, like shameless self-promotion all the time. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> bro, the DoorDash drivers that come through, I'd be giving them my music to listen to. I'd be, I'd be going through the drive-through listening to my own music just to get the people in the drive-through hip, okay? Like, I push it every way I possibly can because any fucking thing you do matters. Even the littlest thing can make a huge impact. Because if you show the one right person your shit, bro, next thing you know, they're showing someone, and then they're showing someone, and then they're showing someone, and then they're showing someone, and the next thing you know, you got fucking hundreds of thousands of views on your songs. Like, that's just the truth. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. 
like promotion and shit matters and not even just on the aspect of paying for it on the internet and really pushing your shit that way but even just showing it to everyone you possibly can like any second you get the fucking chance pull that shit out and be like yo check this shit out tell me what you think all the time awesome thank you again for coming on the show man i appreciate it but uh more importantly where can people find you on social media and where can they find your music so on instagram uh i'm under tragedy official with a j t-r-a-j-e-d-y official um if you just look up tragedy on spotify itunes apple music uh youtube should be tragedy official as well actually on youtube um literally any platform i'm there like you name it awesome well thank you again Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in this week and each and every week, whether you're just on an audio platform or you're checking out the YouTube channel. Keep up to date with future guests, live recordings, and new episodes by following the show on Facebook and Instagram at Rules of the Arena Podcast. And many of you have asked, how can you help me out? If you'd be so kind, head over to Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you're listening, drop a review. Make sure to leave a comment on there and let me know what you think. And if you like the show, go and tell people about it, you know, and, you know, listen to it while you're going through the drive through or when DoorDash comes up and tell them to go check it out <laughs> and share it on Instagram and Facebook. Much appreciated. And if you'd like to click the link in the episode notes where I have a little tip jar set up, head over to patreon.com slash rules of arena and you can donate just $1 a month. It really helps me out and covers, keeps my super producer, super producer Casey busy over at Blind Ninja Studios and allows me to take the show on the road to bring you more episodes. 
Also, keep an eye out for the store making a return this summer. I was hoping to have it out by now. I'm a little behind. I apologize, but you can expect to see all new ROA gear and limited release items in collaboration with different artists and guests. Last but not least, go check out my other show called No Story Left Behind. You can follow that NSLB on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind Podcast. All episodes are released on its own feed wherever you find your podcast. I also have episodes on YouTube as well under the ROA channel. Just click the NSLB playlist on there. If you have any questions, concerns, or show ideas, or would like to be a guest on the show, shoot me an email, gordon at blindninjastudios.com. Thank you, everyone. We'll catch you next time.